Uh, with that, we're going to go into uh, time of the word, and uh, we've been in a, we just got into a serving series last week, and we're talking about serving the Lord together, and um, I want to tell you a little bit about the serve board, which is this uh, fancy new idea that we came up with. Uh, the serve board, you'll see, as soon as you um, exit here and you make a right, you'll see three TV screens, and that serve board that you'll see there is a way for you to get to know uh, in what ways does Mosaic need help. Um, people have asked, you know, I want to serve, but I don't know how. And so the serve board is going to be the centralized place uh, for anyone who has a heart to serve the church to come and to know uh, where we need help. And so please keep your eyes on that. Um, if you are visiting, Obviously, if you are here and um, you're kind of just uh, coming through, uh, you know, don't feel obligated to serve. But if you call Mosaic your home, um, if this is your church home, um, I really consider you to take a look at that board and to pray over that board. Um, if this is your home, uh, please build our home together uh, with us. And so keep your eyes on the serve board as more opportunities to serve uh, show up on that serve board over and over again. With that, we're going to go into our word, and today we're going to go to a real familiar story in Genesis 4. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to read Genesis 4, verses 1 to 7. And uh, this is the word of the Lord, and if you uh, are familiar with this, is the story of Cain and Abel. Um, if this is your first time, I'm excited for you to, to learn about this story in Scripture. This is what it says. Now Adam knew his wife Eve, and she conceived and bore Cain, saying, I've gotten a man with the help of the Lord. And again, she bore his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of the sheep, and Cain was a worker of the ground. In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground. And Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock in their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but for Cain... And his offering, he had no regard. So Cain was very angry, and his face fell. And the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? And why has your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is for you, but you must, you must rule over it. This is the word of the Lord. Last week, as we kicked off our serving series at our outdoor picnic service, it was a lot of fun, and we talked about why should I serve the Lord? Uh, why should I serve the Lord with my time and my life? And we learned about how being saved and brought into new life means that our new life is to serve the Lord. But today, we want to talk about how do we do it in a way um, that is pleasing to the Lord. And so how? Last week, we talked about the why, so today we talk about the how. How do we do it? And not how do we serve effectively or efficiently or even sustainably. Uh, we want to ask the question, how do we serve the Lord pleasingly? Uh, how do we serve in a way that is pleasing to the Lord? Cain and Abel really brings this out because obviously there's one offering that he is pleased with and one he is not. And so today we're going to take a look at this today and we're going to kind of rediscover um, a heart of serving. And this sermon is not just for those who have not begun to serve yet, um, but it's also, I, you know, writing the sermon, I was just particularly convicted um, and burdened for those who have been serving and are serving, but have lost a heart of service. Isn't that a terrible feeling? When you are serving the Lord, you are serving the church, but you just lost your heart along the way. 
I believe the Lord has a word for you today. The Lord has something to say for you. He has something for you today. Because today we're going to look at the heart of serving. We're going to look at that heart being tested, which will happen to you if you serve the Lord. And then finally, how to recover that heart. What is the heart that serves the Lord? How do we endure the testing? And then finally, when we lose that heart, how do we get that heart back to serve the Lord? You know, he's so gracious to us, and today he reminds us um, of the heart that he is pleased with. And I really pray um, that he puts that heart back into each and every one of us for his glory. Let's say a prayer together as we go into his word. Lord, examine each one of our hearts. As David said, search me and know me. Some of us have been far from you and far from serving the Lord for a real long time. And we just want to lay our heart before you. Say, search me and know me. I pray, O God, that you would have a word for us today to revive our heart for you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. What is the heart of serving that the Lord uh, is pleased with? We're going to start here. Today, we look at the story of the first women-born humans in history. Adam and Eve were the first humans in history, but here we have the first women-born men and men of history, and what we see them do is bring this offering to the Lord. Many of you know this story. Um, Today, I'm going to equate their offering with our service, because whether we're giving out of the treasury of our resources or the treasury of our time and energy, the heart is the same. Uh, We're bringing something before the Lord, hoping that it will please and honor him, whether we're serving uh, with our time or we're giving with our gifts. And we see them bringing these gifts to the Lord, and it says that for one of them, the Lord had regard on that offering, and he was pleased with this offering. Now, what it means that he had regard for it, the word is literally like countenance, is to lift his eyes upon it, to look upon it, and to be pleased with it. And so for Abel's offering, he looked upon this offering and he put his countenance upon it and he received it. And it was like he didn't even look at Cain's. That's how severe it is. He had regard for Abel's offering and then for Cain's, he didn't even look at it. That's why Cain is very angry in this passage. But we have to ask the question, what's the deal? Why was Abel's offering accepted and Cain's uh, was not? Because in contemporary language, they both came to church Right? They came to the altar, and they both served the Lord. They both came to church early, and they both served the Lord. They were both on ministry teams, and they both offered something to God. But one was accepted, and one was not. And we, we should be real clear about this, because many of you are serving, and you need to know that there is a way to serve the Lord that is pleasing, and there's a way to serve the Lord that's completely not. And so we have to get this down together. How do we serve the Lord? Because you're expending your time and energy in a way that serves the Lord. One one thing that we have to point out right off the bat is he wasn't displeased because of the kind of offering. You know, some people have said that he accepted Abel's offering because it was a blood sacrifice. It was an animal that was sacrificed. And then Cain was a farmer. And so he didn't have any life to give in a sense. He didn't bring an animal. He brought vegetables. And God was not pleased with it. But, you know, that's not why he was displeased with Cain's offering. Um, In fact, those who say that this was a blood sacrifice and that's what God wanted, you have to understand that this is only Genesis 4. Blood sacrifices haven't even been invented yet. Uh, They don't exist yet. And even when you get to Leviticus and there's the invention of these sacrifices, there's nothing wrong with a grain offering. 
And so it's not the kind of offering that God is pointing attention to here and saying you have to bring a specific kind of offering, and I want that to sink into your hearts. It doesn't matter whether you're a farmer or a programmer. It doesn't matter if you're a herder or a lawyer. It doesn't matter if you're on welcoming team or worship team. It doesn't matter if you're an ordained pastor or you're a lay person or a community group leader or a missions committee. This is not the kind that the Lord is asking of you. It's not the kind of sacrifice that is pleasing to him. And so what is it about Cain's sacrifice that was so unacceptable and Abel's sacrifice that was so great? And if we go to Hebrews 11.4, the Bible gives us the interpretive key to understand Cain and Abel together. And so we're going to go to Hebrews 11, verse 4, and it gives us the answer right off the bat. Here's the interpretive key to understand the difference Hebrews 11.4 says, By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain. By faith, through which he was commended as righteous, God commending him by accepting his gifts. And through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. It says here was a differentiating factor, faith. Abel brought his sacrifice with faith. Now, what does that mean? What does it mean that Abel had faith and Cain didn't? Because it's not like Cain was a a staunch atheist. He didn't believe in God. In fact, you see that Cain has a relationship with God. He's talking with God. So what does it mean Cain doesn't have faith? It looks like he has faith. The kind of faith that you see in Abel is not the kind of faith that you see in Cain. You see, it's not the kind of sacrifice, but it's the kind of faith. It's the kind of heart that God is looking at. And when you read Hebrews 11 and then go back to Genesis, you see clearly what it was. Go back to Genesis 4.3. This is what it says. And in the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground, and Abel also brought the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions. You see the difference here when you go back, that it was a faith-induced giving of his best that was the difference. You see, the faith that Abel had caused him to give his best to the Lord, and the faith that Cain had caused him to not give his best to the Lord. And that takes faith to give your best to the Lord. Isn't it scary to think about giving your best to the Lord? It takes faith to believe that. Think about giving your most expensive, costly things to the Lord. It takes faith to do that. Think about giving the Lord your best energy and time and resources. It takes faith to do that. And that's the faith that Abel had that Cain did not have. Pretend I make you an offer today. Okay, I'm not actually making this offer because I can't do it. But if I said, give me your car for one month. If you give me your car for one month, this is what I promise you. I promise you that not only will I return your car after a month, but I will give you a better car than what you gave me. And so if you give me the keys to an old Hyundai, I will give you back in 30 days a new Hyundai. If you give me a new Toyota, I will give you in one month's time a Lexus. And if you give me a Lexus, um, what's higher than a Lexus? I will give you a Rolls Royce at the end of 30 days. So who wants to give me their keys? No, you don't. It takes a lot to believe me, right? I can't give you any of those things. But 
what, what it would take for you to believe that you can actually give me that car and that I will return to you, you're going to need three things. One, you're going to need to know that I'm worth it, that I'm worth you not having a car for 30 days. Right? Secondly, you're going to have to believe that I'm trustworthy with your car, with your most expensive, one of your most expensive possessions. Then lastly, you're going to have to believe that I have what it takes to provide for you a new Hyundai, a Lexus, or whatever it is. It's going to take some faith for you to hand over those keys to me. It says that by faith, Abel was able to bring the best of what he had, and Cain couldn't. It was the difference was that conviction that if I bring my most expensive, most costly offering and service to the Lord, then I'm not losing out. It takes faith to believe that. And God is not looking at what's on the altar, but he's looking at the heart. And he's saying, Abel's heart, even though they're both coming to church, both offering service, his heart, black and white different. Black and white different from Cain's. Because his heart honors my worth. His heart shows me that he trusts in me. His heart shows me that he knows that I will provide. His faith is a reflection of my worth. And Cain's is also a reflection of my worth. You see, Cain didn't have that faith. Cain didn't believe that he, if he brought God his best offering then he would get it back, or that it would be worth it, or that God was trustworthy. And so he, because he didn't have that faith, he brought an obligatory obligation offering. I signed up for this team, so I might as well go to the meeting. I will give what I can lose. I'll give what I can lose. And that is the kind of offering that Cain brought, a faithless service. It takes no faith to give to God what you can lose. And it takes little faith uh, to serve the Lord in this way, but it takes tremendous faith to believe that if you give your best to the Lord, then he will return it. Um, that, that heart, brothers and sisters, is what God's looking for, because if you think about it, he doesn't actually need anything from us. In the Psalms, he would say, do I actually eat the flesh of the goats? Do I actually drink the blood of the bulls? Do I actually need what you give to me? I don't need to eat or drink. I don't need you to serve me, right? I don't need it. I'm looking for the heart. He's staring at the heart. And my brothers and sisters, we need to believe that. If you are serving, this is the kind of heart that God is pleased with because it speaks to his character. It speaks to his worth. And every time you serve the church, every time you serve your family, the neighbor, God is looking at your heart. Is your heart saying that God is worth your best? Or is it saying that he's not? I remember at the end of, um, I believe, it's, I mean, it's one of the Marvel movies. I forget which one it is. But uh, Samuel L. Jackson, who's the head of S.H.I.E.L.D., he says to Iron Man, um, Iron Man, um, we're going to bring you on as a consultant. And Robert Downey Jr., he's kind of this rich, cocky guy. And he says to him, you can't afford me. You can't afford me. I'm too expensive for you. In a sense, when we don't give the Lord our best, we're saying, my time is too expensive for you. 
My efforts are too valuable for you. I will give you what I can lose, but my best time, my best efforts and energy, God, it's too expensive for you. My brothers and sisters, is that kind of where your heart has been? Honestly, if you examine your heart of service, you know, to the Lord, is that kind of where you are? I will give him what I can lose, but my best is too expensive for God. If that's where we are, then we need to recover our heart of service. The heart that pleases God in our service to him, however you're serving him, is a heart that honors his worth and has the faith to give him our best. That's why he accepted Abel's. By faith, he brought his best. And he rejected Cain's because Cain brought to him what he could lose. You see, that faith is so powerful that if you ask, I I think that if you were to ask one of Mosaic's most faithful, powerful servants of our church, I believe that those who have served the Lord over time in a real sacrificial way will have that heart. And if you ask them, why do you do this? Why have you done this? I believe those who can truly serve with faith over time must have this heart. That, that any other motivation is going to run out real soon. But those who are able to, to faithfully serve the Lord will tell you, I serve because when I serve the Lord, I get more in return. Right? Have you met servants like that? We have servants like that. And I think that they have that heart of faith. That when I give my best to the Lord, I get even better, more in return. And my brothers and sisters, that is the heart that he's calling you to in his service. Many of us don't have that. Um, And one of the reasons is because we were tested. And in that test, we failed. And we never recovered that heart of service and worship to God again. When you look at this passage, you see Cain's uh, heart tested here. Let's read verse 5 and 6. This is what it says. But for Cain and his offering, God had no regard. And so Cain was very angry, and his, his face fell. And the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry, and why has your face fallen? He's in the middle of this test because he was serving the Lord with the wrong heart, and the Lord detects a disposition in Cain's heart that's actually very dangerous. It says here that two emotions show up in Cain's heart. Okay? The first one, he was very angry, very angry that his offering was rejected. And then secondly, he was depressed. That's what it means, his face fell. Now, in our modern language, I think the best way to describe the combination of those two emotions is bitterness. Bitterness. There was a deep bitterness in Cain's heart because his offering and his service was rejected. And so that mix of anger and sadness that bitterness that takes root in our hearts, we see that in Cain. And a funny thing happens, most of you know the story of Cain and Abel, and you know what happens after verse 7, that eventually Cain kills his brother Abel. Now, if you think about that, that's so weird, because Abel's got nothing to do with this. This whole story has been about Cain and his offering to the Lord. And Abel has done nothing wrong. It's as if the camera pans to Abel in the middle of this, and he goes, what? He's not even part of it. (laughs) This has been about Cain and God. But strangely, that bitterness that Cain actually has toward God gets displaced to other people. 
to his brother Abel. And that's exactly what happens when we serve the Lord and we become embittered in our heart. We become bitter against other people that we serve with. We become bitter against the church. We find all sorts of reasons for why serving God is not worth it. And if you talk to somebody and they have a bitterness and when they talk about church, it's all just about other people and their frustrations with other people, you know that they've lost that heart. That their service to the Lord is their offering and worship to God. But when we've lost that, we very quickly turn on other people. And instead of seeing God as the object of our worship, the solution, we see other people as the problem. And we become bitter against the brothers and sisters we serve with. Cain's heart of service is being tested. It's being tested. And he's experiencing the bitterness. And whenever you have this bitterness, bitterness against not only God, but other people is not far off. My brothers and sisters, you need to know that this test is coming. Many of you are already serving And you're starting to feel this already, right? You already start to feel this kind of in your heart. That you're starting to lose that genuine heart that what you are doing at church is you're offering and worship to God and you're thinking constantly about the people that are bugging you (laughs) at church. You're thinking about the other people who make it difficult for you to serve. God says to Cain in this passage, Cain, You have to be really careful right now. Read verse 6 and 7 with me. This is what he says. The Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? And why is your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And then he says this. If you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is for you. And you must, you must rule over it. He's saying that bitterness that you feel, Cain, in your heart, it's really dangerous. And he's trying to convey this to Cain, how dangerous that bitterness is. Because, you know, when we feel feelings like that, we say, like, ah, it's not that big a deal. Like, I felt this before. I'll get over it. You know, it's fine. I'll just keep serving. It's fine. And he's trying to communicate to Cain, no, Cain, this is a very dangerous emotion. And he has to use this word picture to, to um, highlight to Cain just how dangerous this is. He, he gives a picture of a predator, a predator who is lying in wait, trying to wait until the right moment to consume Cain. He says, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is for you, but you must rule over it. This is a very scary and stern warning to Cain about his own bitterness. Uh, It kind of reminds me of Jurassic Park. And uh, new Jurassic Park has come out. It's like the 10th or 20th movie. Um, I remember the original, which was great. But there's always a scene in Jurassic Park, right, with the raptors. The raptors, and the scary thing about the raptors is they hide, and they're smart, and they're quiet. There's always this moment in every Jurassic Park movie whether it's Jeff Goldblum or someone else, who looks at the other person and says, don't move. Be very still. Because you don't see it right now, but you are in tremendous danger. They're right there. And you see like an eyeball or a claw or something. God says to Cain, don't move. You need to be very still right now because the bitterness that you feel in your heart is incredibly dangerous. Do you have a jadedness in serving the Lord? 
Today is a day for us to examine our hearts, all of us, myself included. Do we have a jadedness in our heart? You know, actually, before I keep going, can we just bow our heads and pray? And let's just ask the Lord to examine our hearts. Search me and know me. Help me to receive your word that a jadedness against you is a dangerous thing. Let me just give you a moment with the Father. I'll leave you alone for a minute so you can search your heart with him. Search me and know me, O God. See if there's any way in me that is displeasing to you. If there's anything dangerous in my heart, reveal it to me. I want to trust your word that this is not good and that my bitterness seeks to destroy me. Search my heart, O God. Honestly, search it. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. God says that this is a very dangerous uh, thing to harbor in your heart. And he says, sin is crouching at the door. My brothers and sisters, if you have lost your heart of service, or if you haven't served the Lord in a long time, it's because you don't have this heart of faith. That in offering the Lord your best service, that he has your best interests in mind, Sometimes we even think that God is a thief. And let me explain what that means. Sometimes we believe that God will take from us more than he deserves. If we start serving God, if we start giving ourselves to service to God, then he's going to start asking me of all sorts of things. And he's going to take from me my time. He's going to take from me my resources, take from me my joy. And so I'm going to stay far, far away from him. That's seeing God as thief. And I think that many of us, we've been tempted uh, to believe that God is a thief of our joy and of our time. My brothers and sisters, he's no thief. Anything he asks of us is rightfully his. And it is a joy to serve him. And we need to recover that faith, recover that heart of faith that what we bring to God, he deserves and he will reward us and give us the best that he has. How do we recover that? Uh, This is the last point. We need the heart recovered. When we feel like we've lost the heart to honor God, to worship him, to serve him, we need to come back to be shaken awake by his lavishness. We need to see, again, his lavish love for us because that is the antidote to thinking that he is a thief, that he wants things from you and you don't want to give it, that he wants your best time and you don't want to give it. He wants your energy and service, and you don't want to give it. The antidote to that is to see just how lavish the Lord has been to us. You know, when I talk about bitterness, I do have a bitterness, and it's toward my parents. I think I still am wrestling with that. I'm still working through that. 
And I don't know if I fully understand it. And it's not like they did something tremendously wrong. It's just I still, I'm working through it. I'm a work in progress. And I still detect bitterness in my heart against my parents. Please pray for me that I would have like real progress in that area. But I think that because I have bitterness against my parents, it's really hard for me to serve them. And they're kind of getting to an age where they need help. And um, I, I think I have a really hard time with that because I have this block in my heart and it's that bitterness against my, my folks. But I see breakthroughs happening in me at particular moments. And I'll give you a moment. I see breakthrough when I look at my mom's feet. And let me explain because you're all confused. Um, my mom has really bad feet. Uh, they're really messed up. And let me explain to you why. You know, my mom, she's been, she's been a waitress basically like her whole life here in the States. When we came and immigrated here, um, that's the job she got. She started as a dishwasher and she's been a waitress ever since. And um, it's 14 hours a day on your feet. And my mom developed this thing that um, she had not just a pain in her feet, but she had this itch. But it wasn't an itch that's kind of on the surface but it's kind of an itch kind of in your muscle, in your nerves. I don't know if you've ever experienced this before, but it's this uncomfortable itch that it's underneath kind of her muscles. I'm not sure what it is, but she's always had it. And so she would come home after long days working and she couldn't scratch her feet to make herself feel better, but she would have to get something hard and kind of push it against the bottom of her feet. And she would have to rub that against the bottom of her feet, and she would scratch it. She would usually use a comb, and at night she would scratch her feet like pretty hard so that she could get to the itch and relieve herself. I thought it was gross every time she did that. She would come home, watch TV, and like scratch her feet with her comb, and I thought it was gross. But my, my mom's feet today not only have they have scars because of that. Years and years of doing that to her feet. Now that I'm a little bit more mature and grown up, when I look at her feet, it convicts me. Because I realize that the scars that she has on her feet, they were for me. It was the only way that she knew how to feed and clothe her children. And when I see her scars, my bitterness melts away. How can you get a heart of service back for your Lord? You have to see his scars. You have to see his lavish love for you. What he did for you to convince you he's not a thief. To convince you that your service to him is he deserves every bit of it. The New Testament tells us that when he went to Thomas, he went to Thomas and he said, look at my scars. He said, look at my scars. Now, the weird thing about that is that he's in his resurrected body. He's in his fully redeemed body, the resurrected Jesus Christ. The New Testament tells us that when we are resurrected and we have our resurrection bodies, that we will have no scars, that we will have no weaknesses, that we will have no deficiencies, that we will be resurrected, glorified because of Jesus Christ. But he's got scars. And I would ask, if I were Thomas, why do you have scars? You're resurrected. 
This is your resurrection body. Why do you still have scars? There's a song that we used to sing called The Nails in Your Feet, The Nails in Your Hands and Feet. And it explains why Jesus still has scars in his resurrection body. And it goes like this. When the heavens pass away, all your scars will still remain because forever they will say how much you love me. He keeps his scars because his scars proclaim to us how lavish he has been to us. What he went through so that we can have resurrection and life. What he gave up, Philippians 2 says he emptied himself out for us. His lavishness is on his scars so that we can see it for all eternity. How do you get a heart of service back? Look at his scars. Look at what he's done for you. Can you imagine going to the new heavens and the new earth, putting your hands in his scars and confessing, Father, I thought you were a thief. I refused to serve you when I was on earth because I thought you were going to take my time, energy, and joy. So I didn't want to serve you. I'm so sorry because I didn't know how lavish you were. And we'll put our hands in his scars and we'll remember how much he loves us, what he gave for us, and our bitterness will wash away My brothers and sisters, today, you need to, in a way, put your hands in his scars. How do you recover a heart of service? How do you recover a heart of a servant? You have to put your hands in his scars. You have to remember how much he loves you, what he did to lavish you with kindness and grace. And your bitterness, it will wash away. That thought, my time is too expensive for you, that'll go away too. Because God will put in your heart a realization of just how much he has done for you. Polycarp was the first recorded martyr in history, 86 years old. 86 years old, and when the Romans came to take him away, he had a vision of God. And when the police and the horsemen came at dinner time to pull him away, they threatened to burn him at the stake for following Jesus and serving him. And they begged him, old man, have respect for your age. Recant. Give up Jesus. Don't embarrass yourself. They said, have respect for your old age. Swear by the fortune of Caesar. Reproach Christ and I will set you free. You know what Polycarp said? He said, 86 years. 86 years I have served him. And he has done me no wrong. 86 years I've given my life to him and he has never withheld his mercy and love and lavish grace from me. How could I recant now? And they brought him into a stadium, covered him with wood and set his body ablaze and he gave his life, the most costly thing he had for Christ with zero regret. My brothers and sisters, the Lord is calling us to remember his lavish love for us. Is your heart far from a heart of a servant? Has it been a long time? Have you been serving? 
and you haven't had that heart, but you can detect bitterness in your heart, put your hands in his scars. He'll remind you how much he loves you, how much he has loved you, and let that move you to become a servant of Christ one more time. Let's go to him in prayer together. And let's reflect and repent. And before I release you, I want to just remind you that when we recover this heart, brothers and sisters, and when we bring him a heart of service that pleases him, he's so happy that he will have not only regard for you, but he will have joy. And so let's spend time going to confess and to return. Put your hands in his scars and let him show you again how much he loves you. May his lavishness overtake you. Let's spend some time with the Father and get our heart of service back.